Welcome back. <clears throat> Ladies and gentlemen, I am 24. This is my podcast, 24's podcast. Let me take a drink. Hold on. Sorry about that. We're back, ladies and gentlemen. Late Monday night. Really early Sunday. Early Tuesday morning. Lots of discuss, lot to talk about, a lot of huge events happening over the last couple of days involving sports, football. I'm not really going to talk about Formula One because I didn't see the race, unfortunately. Colorado, sorry about that, let me turn it down a little bit. Colorado, absolutely insane storyline with Deion Sanders and his son Shador Sanders. Can't wait to get into that. So proud of Coach Prime, Deion Sanders, Shador Sanders. We'll talk about it get into Sunday activity I'll kind of give you some of my predictions for the weekend because I didn't actually give you my predictions I'm so behind I have no idea what I did talk about and what I didn't talk about and all this other stuff but we will talk about it right here 24's podcast All right, we've had enough of that. <clears throat> I love the, what is it? The Rihanna chorus, you know, the turn up the lights in here, baby. You know what I mean? Want you to see everything. Want you to see all of, okay. <clears throat> Let's talk sports. Let's talk about it. Oh, before I even do that, let me kind of address the whole, why have I, I, I always, I'm now addressing why I haven't podcasted in a couple of days. You know why. Work and school. Today was particularly awful. Um, and the last couple of days have kind of been awful. It's just been cumulative. Told them weeks ago, I need... I mean, I told them over a month ago, I need like... One day on the weekend, off. And I've had to go in... I mean, I went in today, I went in a day on fucking, I went in a day making it my fourth day on. It's like, what the fuck is going on, man? Jesus Christ. And I was like, I need a day on the weekend to get my homework done. And I fucking couldn't. It was, it's one of the most ridiculous things I've ever had to experience before in my entire life where I've just communicated 
especially over the last couple of weeks of like, I need a reduction in my hours. I need to really focus on school. Da 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 da. The fact that I've had like my first real tests, huge assignments due, and I haven't like completely botched it, you know, is like a testament to how good of a job I have juggled with all of these problems. And um, I got, God, man, what do I have coming up in the next couple of days to weeks? God, man, I got, I mean, I got like, what is this? I don't even know what this is. I, I just have apparently so much shit done. God, man. just so much shit that's like due next week <clears throat> I mean I am not happy at all about what's going on really and then it's like I don't even know I'm just so exhausted I have so much shit that's due you know you want to know what these decks what's this week what is it like these next like, this week and next week are going to be brutal. But then it's like, when I get into October, because I'm looking at my schedule in, in October, it's like, there's not a lot of shit that's due in October. There's, like, some... Like, these two weeks are going to be some of the hardest weeks of the entire semester. And, oh God, if I just make it through it, it's just easy, easy, but... Yeah, um, these last couple of days, I've, after trying to communicate with some people at work and being like, hey man, I need time off on the weekends to do all of my homework, I literally get scheduled every single day this weekend. Today was my final day out of four days, which doesn't seem like a lot, but I'm just always tired, and especially today, I was just... I really didn't do a whole lot. I didn't get a whole lot of sleep last night. I mean, I was literally falling asleep on my feet. I was just exhausted. When I got home today, I just completely passed out after doing some stuff outside uh, from like 6 to 9. And then it's like midnight now, a couple of hours um, after I woke up again. So, I mean, I'm just exhausted. And I wanted to try and get a full night's sleep. But I got two pieces of homework that I got to do. And all that good stuff. And there's some bullshit that's going on at school as well where I'm having difficulties with a professor. But everyone in the class is having difficulties with this professor. Uh, everybody hates her. So I'm not alone. It's like that Michael Jackson song. You are not alone. Ba -ba 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 -da -da. It's like that. <clears throat> everybody hates her. And I literally yelled at her for like 20 minutes. Maybe not yelled, but I had a very, very tense conversation and things of that nature. I'm just so over this course in this class. And I'm just so over just being under a lot. That's my issue. And my part-time job, man, is like just... I've never seen anything like this before in my entire life. Pretty much what got confirmed to me today was that the more you work, the more work you get, which just doesn't make any sense, right? And what I mean by that is that 
essentially, like, um, what is it? Essentially, because the place that I work at, it's like a corporate, um, it's like a corporate uh, thing. What is it? A corporate business, right? It's like a huge business, right? So there's like a corporate office and corporate workers over everybody, et cetera, et cetera, right? It's, it's a big corporation. So because, right, where I work generates a lot of money in the region, and because a lot of the other offices essentially in the region or places of business, whatever you want to call them, in the region don't, my office, my job has to compensate for everybody else sucking. And I got that confirmed on Friday and then I also got it confirmed that I may have to work on the holidays, which I was like, bro, I'm I'm not coming in on the holidays at all. You must be insane. Like holidays being Thanksgiving and also Christmas Eve. He was like, if you don't work on the holidays, then nobody else will. And I'm like, yeah, because nobody wants to fucking work on the holidays. That's kind of the point. And so I said to him, you're going to need to close down the store because I'm not coming in. Which is mega annoying. I've, like, that was essentially things that I had to deal with over the last couple of days. I'm exhausted. I got to turn in some more homework tonight. I got to do more homework tonight so that way I can literally do a test. Oh, God, that I should have done today. And now it's like Wednesday is going to be the hardest day of the week where I got like 80 bajillion things to do on Wednesday. And I'm just so, 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 so annoyed with just constantly being overwhelmed overwhelmed being like having so much stuff to do and having so little time to do it i mean i have to be surgical with how precise i have to be which is with just the things that i have to do it's mega annoying so um but enough of that i want to talk podcast oh by the way i a couple of weeks ago I bought all of these movies and TV shows and DVDs and things of that nature, and they finally came today. I was watching Drake and Josh for hours on hours, laughing my ass off all of the early seasons. Oh, man, it was so, so glorious. I got all the vinyl that I wanted that I talked about on Friday or something like that, Friday, Thursday. I can't remember. Also, God, man, like, I, I really wanted to watch Yellowstone when it came out. How, and I said this because one of the reasons why I was so excited was because Paramount had released Yellowstone, or I had seen trailers for Yellowstone, and I was like, oh, this looks like a really, really awesome TV show. And I like the Paramount, the streaming service, Paramount Plus. This was like a year ago when I was watching South Park on Paramount Plus, right? And so I'm trying to watch it. And I cannot find Yellowstone on Paramount Plus. So I'm like, well, what's going on? And it turns out the brilliant executives at CBS or at Paramount had given the streaming rights to Yellowstone to NBC. So you have to go to Peacock to stream a CBS TV show, essentially botching the entire release of Yellowstone because it's essentially a streaming service TV show. And so now CBS is trying to pull this complete 180 and to try and draw interest into Yellowstone via their own network. 
by rebroadcasting it on TV. And it's just like, gee, I wonder if that's going to work out very well. You know, people wanting to watch Yellowstone on TV and not on a streaming service. Great job, Paramount. Your li your entire streaming service is being held up by, our, by iCarly and re-releasing old Nickelodeon cartoons that we all watched. Or not cartoons, but movies and stuff like that that we all watched when we were a kid. Great job. Great job. Anyways. I'm exhausted. Let's talk about football. Because we, because you as a viewer deserve to get what you came for, and that is some conversations around football. <clears throat> okay, and I also got some more updates as well. So, let's talk about... Hold on. Let me just... Just kind of watching some stuff like that. So let's talk about Colorado versus Colorado State. Colorado State, an abomination of a football program. Really a joke heralded by whatever his name is. Jay Novacek, whatever. Jay Norvell, I think that's what his name is. Uh, the head coach at Colorado State, who's an absolute bum of a coach. Nobody wants to put it out there. I'll put it out there. Everybody's like, don't don't insult him because he's a black head coach and we're happy for brothers and I'm not happy for brothers that act like jackasses. I'll just put it out like that. So, if you haven't heard, there's this huge kind of renaissance going on with college football. Because college football for years, I, I, I don't know the ratings, I don't know the, the allure of it. Really, college football... If you like college football, you've probably liked it for years. If you don't like college football, you don't like it. I myself am not really interested in college football outside of evaluating prospects. And the reason for that is that college football to me is a very uninteresting sport. It's uninteresting in the sense of the competition is very, very fickle. Teams avoid competing at the highest of levels against one another. There's very, very few times where we have the best, one of the best teams going up against one of the best teams in the regular season. It's always in the postseason, which is a conundrum that college football enthusiasts and analysts and broadcasters seem to not understand. This consistent pushing of the postseason, of the Final Four, of the national championship game and the college football playoffs where it used to be deemed as the as the Alabama Invitational because Alabama used to want all these doggone playoff games in the playoffs and the national championships it used to it, it's it was renamed the the Alabama Invitational the college football playoffs so college football is really uncompetitive and really really boring if I mean, like, we have essentially, with some of the best teams in college football, we have some of the least competitive games, like, for example, Alabama versus Tulane. It's like, gee, I wonder who's going to win that game. You know, Alabama versus UT was interesting, but there wasn't really any interesting narratives or storylines uh, coming out of it. It was great to see UT win. I'm a... I'm from Texas, so I like UT. I'm from Austin, Texas, so I like UT. 
Nobody refers to UT in Austin, as far as I know, as Texas. Everybody just refers to it as UT. I don't know how that came about, but, you know, like, the national media is like, Texas. It's like, nobody refers to UT as Texas in Texas, you know? It's like the chai tea thing. It's like chai means tea, so it's like saying tea tea or coffee coffee. You know, it's like nobody says Texas when you're in Texas. You know what I mean? But, um... There really isn't a lot of interesting college football narratives. There's some interesting players, like, for example, um, Michael Penix Jr. out of Washington. But there really isn't that much that interests me. I haven't seen a lick of Georgia football. I haven't seen a lick of Ohio State. I remember tuning into the Ohio State game opening weekend, and I was like, oh, I'm turning this crap off. This sucks. This is bad football. And that's another problem. College football really doesn't have great refined coaching And also, the whole point of college football is recruiting, right? If I have better players than you, which happens a lot more frequently in college football than in the NFL, if I have, like, significantly better football players than you, you can't beat me. It's the whole paradigm that Alabama essentially, it's the whole platform that Alabama essentially stands on. We have better football players than 90% of college football. We will beat 90% of college football just based off of that fact. So, Alabama has the best players, Georgia now has the best players, etc., etc., and it's really, really fucking boring. It really is. I'm not a fan of it. It puts me to sleep. I think it sucks. I, again, watch it because of the interesting players, and I, I don't really care about it, to be honest with you. I care about playoffs and national championship games, which is why I'm excited to see the playoffs expanding because it really should have been expanded years ago because of, again, the emphasis. People, college football fans were complaining. Why doesn't anyone care about the Rose Bowl? Because the Rose Bowl isn't isn't in the college football playoffs. Or they care about, like, the Orange Bowl and the Peach Bowl when they're in the college football playoffs. But when they're not, then nobody cares. And so it's not important to win these huge bowl games because they're participation trophies. It's a nice way of saying, hey, guys, you're not going to win the national championship, but good job winning the Rose Bowl. Like, my generation doesn't care about the prestige of that bowl, uh, that bowl game, which is why they always opt out of it. They're like, yeah, we don't care about winning a participation trophy. Hey, good luck. You know, a lot of kids, and it's also why, by the way, a lot of kids are refusing to play in these bowl games because they see it for what it is. It's a participation trophy. And so they would say to themselves, well, if we don't even have a shot to win the big trophy, even though it's not a good-looking trophy, it's the trophy that says we're the best college in the country at this particular sport, at this particular time. If we don't have a shot at it, we aren't going for all of the other participation trophies that have nothing to do with this trophy, with this award that we earned objectively not subjectively it's not voted on by a committee in the committee the committee committee it's not voted on by the committee it is something that we snatch from another team or teams we want the national championship accolades which is why kids for example like chris Olave and garrett wilson the year that they were playing up against utah in the rose bowl i think two years ago they opted out they were like bro we we don't care we are not playing this sport anymore if we don't have a shot at the uh, at the natty. And I couldn't blame them. I still don't blame them. But people were like, oh, man, that, that's terrible. 
The same thing goes for Kenny Pickett opting out of uh, of Pittsburgh, uh, of Pitts, excuse me, um, bowl game. He's like, I like, like people were like, Kenny Pickett isn't a part of Pitt football, and I'm like, Kenny Pickett has been the best thing your bum ass school has had since Aaron Donald. Not to say that he's gonna be as good as Aaron Donald, but he has been a star for your team for four, almost five years, something like that. And you got, and he doesn't want to play in a participation game and win a participation trophy. Hey, clap it up. Give him a nice slap on the ass for participating in a college football season. He doesn't want to participate. He wants to dominate. And people have lost sight of that. And it's and it's in college football is just a dirty business. I'm blunt and honest about it. College football is essentially professional football, except with 18 to 21 year old students, student athletes. That everybody is trying to pay as little money as they possibly can, even though they contribute to billion-dollar enterprises. But people see them as children by the way that they talk about them, referring to them as kids. And so they essentially believe, well, because they're kids, they don't deserve the millions upon millions of dollars that they're earning or that they can earn, which is ridiculous. It's the only sport, or not even sport, but it's the only industry where if literal adults earn the money, contribute to, you know, earning the money that that they deserve are not then given that money. Regardless about all of the flaws that permeate throughout college football. One of the most interesting storylines about college football this year has been Deion Sanders, aka Coach Prime, and the Colorado Buffs. They have been the most exciting thing. Do I have the game this weekend? I swear, I, I better. Colorado football. Okay, good. Hold on. Hold on. Colorado football. I got to put that in again. I'm like, I, I want to make sure because I'm, I'm not watching football. Okay, do I got it? Yes, sir, I got it. When, when is, where's the USC? I got both USC and I got Oregon. Let me tell you something. College football would be a goddamn snooze fest, and thank God that the game is on at 3.30, because 3.30 in the afternoon, not 3.30 at night or in the morning, but 3.30 in the afternoon, the Oregon game this this upcoming Sunday, and thank Christ, USC at Colorado in two weeks, or technically in a week, a little bit over a week, USC at Colorado is going to be on at 12 o'clock in the afternoon, 12 p.m., so at noon. Thank Christ, because I'm tired of having to watch all these doggone college football games, or specifically this team, at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I don't know what ESPN was doing putting that game on at 9, or ABC or whomever. I, I don't know what genius thought that that was a smart decision. It was terrible. But the Colorado Buffs versus the Colorado State, whatever they are, the Rams, Colorado State, Rams was an awesome football game. Don't let anyone tell you different. That Jay Nor uh, Norvell guy, again, the brother, apparently he's black. I, I have no idea how, but sure, okay. I guess he's black. Talked a lot of crap about Deion Sanders. Talked about the whole, you know, um, what, what did he say? You know, I, when I'm talking to adults, I take my hat and, uh, and sunglasses off when I'm talking to adults. That was the quote. And then, of course, Coach Prime and Deion Sanders took that very, very seriously and very personally. They had this huge soul. There is this show about it. There is this awesome, awesome, awesome event that they had put on. Deion Sanders knows how to market. I mean, intentionally or unintentionally, 
He said uh, he had a pair of sunglasses literally coming out this past weekend that they apparently made $4 million. $4 million in sales because the, um, what was it? Because, um, because of the whole, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, yeah, here we go, yeah, the Bleacher Report has it, they sold nearly seven, 70,000 units priced at $67 each, they sold $4.5 million in shades this past week, thanks to Jay Norvell's stupidity, right, and then one of my favorite clips that I saw, because I was, I don't know what happened, I didn't see the start of the game. Oh, I was, you know why I didn't see the start of the game? Do you want to know why I didn't see the start of Colorado versus uh, Colorado State? It's because I was at work. Again, there's like times where I'm just so annoyed with just how, how rooted in like a lot of my problems work is. But um, they had little Wayne come out and I, I just want to play this part. I, I don't know how loud it's going to be, so be prepared. But why can I not hear anything? What's going on here? If I hold on, I'm just trying to find some audio here, like something. Give me like two seconds. Now into the stadium like that, man. Oh. Okay. 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 That was Micah Parsons. Oh, hold on. Oh, it was muted over here. On this, why did they mute it? I wanted to listen to it. Here, here it is. Here's Little Wayne coming out with Colorado, uh, not State, but Colorado University, because this is a home game for Coach Prime and the Colorado Buffs. Here's Little Wayne coming out with Colorado. This was one of the coldest things I've seen all weekend. I was so juiced up. Oh my god. It's it's low. I know, but bear with me. All right, and then it'll just keep on looping. It was an amazing, amazing game, and it's exactly what college football needs. Because, my God, college football is as dull and as boring as vanilla paste or rice pudding. Just ridiculously boring. And Colorado State looked like it had Colorado until probably the Heisman or a huge Heisman Trophy candidate in Shador Sanders came up and absolutely smashed it without Trevor Hunter. Trevor Hunter. Travis Hunter. I'm tired. Travis Hunter in the game because the whole... Uh, what What's his face? Jay Norvell's team that where his mom had raised him right and all that good stuff. That dumbass. <clears throat> Jay Norvell had had all of his players just acting like a bunch of jackasses and playing dirty. Knocking out Travis Hunter... In the first quarter. And let me tell you this. Let me say this. Let me speak this a lot more harshly than how people are talking about it. 
because a lot of people are just saying that it's a dirty hit. Not only is it a dirty hit that was that was like made onto Travis Hunter, dude now has a lacerated kidney. Dude could have fucking died. Okay. And I remember I saw some uh, and I remember I saw something about this kid getting death threats. And some people are like I'm not saying he should get death threats, by the way. What I am saying is that he should definitely get some hate. Because we have just seen, in the last year, serious, serious football injuries in which players collapse onto the football field. And they are not able to get up immediately underneath their own power. We saw DeMar Hamlin, or technically we didn't see it, but it is widely reported that he had to be resuscitated on the actual football field. Okay, like it's not even a myth. It's it's not a myth anymore. You can die from playing football, especially and specifically at the NFL level, at the professional level. And so, why would this kid think that it's okay? And Jay Norvell, this absolute jackass of a head coach, why would he, they both think that that's okay to take a shot and essentially take out the best player on the Colorado Buffs? And Travis Hunter, outside of uh, Shador Sanders. I am absolutely incensed by that hit because, again, we know if you hit a X player in a certain part, in a certain region, during a certain heart rhythmic pattern, you can shut down their heart, have a heart attack immediately, essentially what happened to DeMar Hamlin. It is a rare occurrence, but it can happen. And so why would you intentionally hurt a player? And then Jay Norvell wants to go on to his post-game press conference. The head coach, let me pull this press conference, let me pull this bullshit up. Let me show you what I'm talking about. This guy is an absolute fucking clown of epic proportions. He deserves to be blasted. He's a fucking dipshit. Absolute dipshit. And I'm just, I mean... I don't know how this guy has a fucking job. This guy is a fucking joke. And I'm glad that he absolutely lost in the most poetic way possible in the sense of he lost because his team committed over 100 yards and penalties. I think they committed like 10 to 15 penalties or something ridiculous like that. And then he wants to blame the refs for the loss because, hold on, because his team is lost and um, and they have like a bajillion penalties. And it's just like, hey, dumbass, it's because you fucking suck as a coach. And if your team had committed less penalties, you probably would have won that game on Saturday. Let me try and find it. I'm not going to dig deep. I'm going to try and find it. But... Where is it? Here here we go. Here's here's Jay Norvell talking about how the referees essentially screwed them over. The very first snap, um, obviously we had too many penalties. I can't even speak about it. It's so ridiculous. Um, and, it's a, and it's a real shame because a lot of those penalties took away a lot of great efforts from our kids. Great efforts, he says. I'll pause it. I'll pause this dumbass here. Great efforts, he says. Great efforts. 
What great efforts? Was that a great effort on Travis Hunter that lacerated his kidney on Saturday? Was that a great effort on that guy, Kamara, who had an amazing game? Colorado State played Colorado hard. They played them tough. Kamara, I think zero for Colorado State, had a fantastic game. He's going to get some looks at the NFL because he played his ass off during this game. Has an absolutely brutal targeting call, or not brutal, but hit on Shador Sanders when he's trying to lead them, I think, to a game-tying drive against Colorado State. Blackburn, 11, who had that absolutely gutless hit on Travis Hunter in the first quarter, then proceeds to get burned on the Jimmy Horn Jr. touchdown that ties the game in the fourth quarter, essentially sending the game into overtime, I think, after a, a two-point conversion. I mean, players just playing out of their mind, stupid, and causing their own football team to fail. That is what Colorado State essentially did, and they could have beaten a ranked opponent, and they could have essentially talked the talk, said all this crap about Dion. they are doing all that bullshit, they were doing the Dion shuffle, just like I forgot what that other team, what was it, Florida Atlantic or whatever they were called last year, doing the, doing the Dion shuffle. Now I don't even know who that fucking team is. I don't know who they are. I know more about, I know about more, I know more about these doggone teams that play up against Colorado the week of the game versus any other week in the year. The only time that Colorado State was and is relevant is when they're playing up against Colorado when Coach Prime is coaching them. The only time that that HBCU that was doing all that bullshit with Deion Sanders was relevant was when they were playing up against JSU. It is ridiculous, some of the things that have been going on in regards to Deion Sanders. And coaches are jealous because they don't have the talent, they don't have the accolades, they don't have the success, so they try and essentially dunk on Coach Prime, and they look like fools every single time they do. Even when they win. It's just like, I don't even know the team that that um that had beef with Deion Sanders last year. That beat JSU handedly this year. I couldn't care less. Couldn't care less. Doesn't matter to me. And so when Deion Sanders and Colorado have an absolute... I mean, this is the best college football game of the year. This is entertainment every single Saturday, full Saturdays. I'm glad that they changed the schedule. Thank God that Colorado now isn't playing at like 10 o'clock at night or 11 o'clock, or I don't remember when the doggone game was. Because now it's like we can finally watch these doggone games. Doggone games. Hold on, let me... I don't know what's going on. Sorry about that. But now we can like finally watch these doggone games at an appropriate time and not have to watch them at like midnight or 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And, I mean, we got some great games going on here. People are talking about ranked opponents. Ooh, this this team has a ranked opponent. Let me put it to you like this, right? Here's here's the next couple of games of Colorado. These games are going to make or break Colorado season. I think Colorado will probably win eight, maybe nine games at this point. They go up against Oregon. I think they can probably win that game. And then they go up against USC. That's going to be a, a test. If they beat USC, watch out. Watch out. Next week, they go up against USC. If they beat USC. Watch out. Watch out. Because USC, man, USC, top five team, 
Colorado has been playing a little bit sloppy. But man, oh man, you tell me that the number 19th seed in Colorado, if they beat Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams, I mean, Shador may win the Heisman and Colorado may get into the dance. But they go, everybody's talking about Colorado's going up against ranked opponents. The ranked opponents that Colorado is going to be going up against is UCLA, Oregon State with DJ Uwe who he seems to be playing awesome now that he's away from Clemson. Turns out Clemson sucks now. And uh, Utah and Washington State. I think they can win all those games because I think they got the Heisman or one of the Heismans. And I love Caleb Williams, but it's just an overall better story what's been going down in Colorado. I've barely watched Caleb play. I don't even know what he's been doing for the most part. I'm obsessed with Colorado football. Tip of the cap to Deion Sanders and the Colorado Buffs. It's been so much fun to watch them play football. When is their bye week? Does college football have a bye week? I'm going to be sad when they don't play football because I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm not going to, I don't know what I'm going to be doing on my Saturdays. I don't know. But yes, I mean, great job by Coach Prime, Dion, et cetera, et cetera. It's just been, it's just been great. It's just been great. Whew, man. Damn, Selena Gomez. Selena Gomez looks great. Hold on a minute. <laughs> hold on. I'm like, hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. I mean, I've always loved Selena Gomez, and I've always had a crush on her since. Damn. Oh my goodness. I'm sorry. I just I just got this video of her. And so I'm like, Jesus Christ. Sorry. I just got this video of her recommended in my feed. I'm, I just got very, very distracted. <clears throat> Anyways, um, what was I talking about? <laughs> Football and stuff like that. So Saturday dominated. It was dominated by how awesome Colorado was. And uh, me just staying up all night watching Colorado football. I love, 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 love what was going on this weekend. Great job by Colorado. Great job by the Buffs. Oh, gosh. Hold on. All right. Sorry about that. Again, it's 1230 at night. I'm tired. Let's talk Sunday football, and then we'll peace out for tonight because I don't really have a lot much else to say. So, Sunday's football, Sunday's football games were a little bit more intriguing, and I'll probably have more more analysis of them tomorrow, but we'll kind of just go through all the games here and talk about them all. Here's where I'm at with this season. Overall, collectively, some teams are in trouble, some aren't. The Bengals are in trouble. Joe Burrow is hurt once again. He may be out for a limited amount of time. I you want to, and I said this. I said, look, 
I think he may have tweaked that exact same leg that had that calf strain on him that that had the calf strain, excuse me, that had taken him out of the preseason. And so now Joe, instead of taking a little bit more time to recover and heal, now Joe and the Bengals, and by the way, the, the result is the exact same. Like, I thought the Bengals were going to lose some games early on if they didn't have Joe. And it turns out they still lost those exact same games that they had with Joe. And so now they're down 0-2 in the regular season, and it's looking pretty dire of a situation for Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals. Worse yet, Joe now will have to essentially take about two two weeks off probably. I don't know the timetable of his injury and of his recovery, but he'll probably have to take two to three weeks off because I think he re-aggravated the calf strain because it's like a strained muscle and soft tissue injuries are way harder to fix than just like broken bones because you... because you can always tear and re-tear soft tissue muscles or soft tissue things and things of that nature. So it's uh it's it sucks. How many old westerns? It's like we're getting this new kind of like renaissance of western TV shows and movies. I just saw another one that CBS is promoting. I like westerns. I like the whole but you know what I like? I I mean I love Red Dead Redemption. I love I love the bounty hunter aspect. It's why I like Django so much because they're out hunting guys and they're killing guys. I like that aspect because you always know things will go down and the story is always based upon a guy entering a town and then the story ends with the guy leaves said town, right? And he has all of these different things to accomplish inside of the town. Like, hey, you know, like this wife is wondering if her husband is cheating. And then it turns out that, you know, like uh, because her husband is out late at night. And then it turns out that her husband is like a stagecoach robber. And that's what he's been doing out at, li- at night. But he's trying to provide for his family. And that's why he comes. Like there's so many different narratives and things that go on in all of these different stories. And it's just it's it's awesome to me. I, I love Westerns, but Westerns can and do get tired and old and repetitive. And it seems like we've kind of traveled and traversed that road a lot. So I'm I'm very, very excited to see what's going to happen with some of these new Westerns. But Red Dead Redemption is one of my favorite Western uh, stories ever. Probably needs... It's, it's kind of... You know what? The TV show... Red Dead Redemption needs a TV show. I'm a bit shocked that Rockstar hasn't done what Sony has done and just started to sell off some of their TV shows or some of the rights to some of their TV shows just to give people content. I mean, The Last of Us was and is essentially this year's best TV show probably. And so I'm a bit shocked that um, that they aren't, that more big companies aren't trying to kind of jump on that bandwagon here because first it was superheroes i think next it's going to be video games that kind of like takes over but um like popular culture and so i'm a bit shocked that some of these networks aren't getting on that and i'm a bit shocked also that rockstar isn't trying to sell off some of their big ticket uh big ticket storylines because i mean there's some pretty cool storylines anyways um going back to what i was talking about with football and I'll try and get through some of these quickly because I got, I mean, I, I got to go to sleep soon. So Ravens versus the Bengals, really, really interesting game in which the Ravens won it very, very narrowly, 27 at 24. <clears throat> Lamar Jackson had 
a really, really solid performance. Joe Burrow had a good performance as well, but the Ravens were able to ink it out in the end. It was a great job by Baltimore beating essentially their divisional rival and going up kind of like quietly and huge onto the division and into kind of like contention for first place in the conference, right? Like it's only week two. So you're going to have a lot of teams. I don't, hold on. Let me refresh this page because the standings are incorrect. There we go. But it's like, for example, right? Jets are one and one bills are one and one, right? That's, that's incorrect. The bills should not have the exact same win total as the jets, but to make matters worse, because the bills lost to the jets, they're now the third seed in their conference, or excuse me, in their division. Raiders and the Chiefs both have one win. Chargers and the Broncos, two teams that I thought would be improved this year, have two losses. They're winless. Ravens have two wins. And that's it for the AFC. Jags lost to the Chiefs. Colts lost to the Jags. Titans lost to whoever they lost to. Who did they lose to? They lost to the Saints week one, beat the Chargers week th- two. And then the Texans are boo-boo. So two teams in the AFC that are undefeated are the Ravens and the Dolphins. And they are both, they're both essentially competing for the one seed now. And they already have a head start against a lot of their competition. And their competition, because the Ravens and the Dolphins were the second and the third team, I think, in their respective divisions, maybe. Yeah, I think the Ravens were number two. The No, they were both number two in their divisions. They don't have as difficult of a schedule as you would think. They're on the rise. They're on the come up. And a lot of the teams that you would think would that would be the contenders and have kind of been the contenders for the last couple of years, the Bills, the Chiefs, the Bengals, are all kind of sliding here in the first couple of weeks. And again, it's only week two, so it'll probably change. But it's it's a bit of a shocker just how kind of like little competition there is. Maybe not little competition, but how much polarity there is in the AFC. And then you go over to the NFC, right? Huge amounts of polarity. Cowboys, Eagles, Commanders, 49ers, and the shock of the century. Falcons, Saints, and Bucks all have two wins. So remember how I said only two teams in the AFC have two wins? Well, now that is seven in the NFC. Seven out of 16. That's like half of the conference has two wins, which is insane. And we're in all of these ties and we're in all these places. And I mean, the NFC, especially with the Cowboys and the Eagles, I don't see the Lions. I don't see anyone else coming out of any of those other divisions. But with the Cowboys, the Eagles, and the 49ers kind of being the top dogs in their respective conference, excuse me, I think it kind of solidifies, once again, we're going to have a repeat of last year. Cowboys, Eagles, 49ers trying to kind of reign control over the division, or excuse me, over the conference again. Cowboys versus the Eagles, one of those two teams trying to reign control over over the division, the NFC East again. So I think it's a really, really interesting kind of year this year in regards to the polarity. But Ravens beating the Bengals on Saturday, on Sunday, excuse me, is huge. Seahawks beating the Lions. I 
I, I didn't give out my game day predictions, but I would have gone with the Lions over the Seahawks, which is a bit disappointing that the Lions, after all that talk, first home opener, having all their fans invade Chiefs Kingdom and Arrowhead, Seattle goes out and beats them in overtime as Seattle really has kind of struggled this year. Geno Smith, 328 yards, two touchdowns. I mean, Geno has been all right. I don't think Geno is this illustrious, great football player, you know, that's having this renaissance. I think he just had one good season and he has a shit ton of weapons. And the Lions are a little bit overrated, which I thought for many, many, many weeks. And I, I, I still think they're, I, I still think they're overrated. I mean, they probably go to the playoffs, sure, but I, I think they're a first round exit. Colts versus Texans. The Colts won it. I would have had the Colts win it. I don't think I would have had them winning it thirty-one to twenty, though. But then again, the Texans, they scored 10 points in the fourth quarter. I mean, yikes, man. And they had to put in uh, Gardner Minshew in at the end of the game because Anthony Richardson had a concussion. But, I mean, these two teams are just bad teams. Nobody cares about them. We'll move on. Bears at Bucks is a really, really interesting result. 27-17. Baker plays out of his mind. 26-34, of 34, 317 yards and a touchdown. Justin Fields, once again... Plays like crap. 16 of 29, 211 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. Remember how last year the narrative as to why the Bears sucked was because they didn't spend any money in free agency. And essentially all they said was, look, guys, we're going to have all of this money in cap space because we got rid of Khalil Mack. We got rid of Akeem Hicks. We got rid of all of these foundational players, and we're going to go out and we're going to get players in free agency. And what did they do in free agency? I said, look, I liked I liked their their move with DJ Moore. But that was essentially the only thing that I liked. I did not like how they addressed the offensive line, which essentially they didn't. I didn't like how they didn't really address wide receiving core, which again they didn't. They essentially said we're going to roll out with the guys that we had last year with Chase guys like Chase Claypool and others. And we're just going to essentially just uh, pretend like we're a good football team and we're just going to play football. And they got their asses clapped on Sunday. And I mean, really, the game, <clears throat> the game really wasn't even that close. It was they scored seven points in the fourth quarter, similar to Tampa Bay. But 27 to 17 is the final score. Want to take a swing at how many times Justin Fields got sacked on Sunday? Take a guess. As I take a swig of my water. Hold on. Sorry. That sounded weird, I know. Justin got sacked six times. He got sacked six times. In that entire game, he's one of the most sacked quarterbacks. He's one of the most hit quarterbacks since entering in the NFL. And he is... I, I, I just don't know. I don't think you can offer him a long-term contract. There's nothing in his resume to me that screams a franchise quarterback uh, at this point. I mean, 
he was and is the worst quarterback statistically in the NFL to this day. 427 yards, two touchdowns, three interceptions. 70.7 passer rating. This is one of the worst starts to his career ever since pretty much his rookie season. I didn't believe the hype of last season, and I certainly didn't believe the whole, hey, this guy ran for a bunch of yards when it came to his rushing yards, and that's that's good. I was a bit shocked that people ran with that narrative. If I'm 100% honest with you, the whole Justin had a bunch of rushing yards, and that means that he's going to be awesome. Justin ran today for, or not today, but Sunday, four times for a grand total of three yards and a touchdown. And then he had two interceptions. Justin is mega talented, mega talented, but Justin cannot seem to transition those talents into a solid base, a solid foundation for him to play the sport of football in, which is a huge problem at the professional level if you cannot transition your talent, your attributes to the highest of levels, which he obviously cannot do. And so we're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place because Justin keeps on doing the exact same crap and he keeps on sucking. And I'm a bit shocked at how bad Justin Fields plays consistently. And I'm a bit shocked at um, how the Bears kind of didn't see this coming. Ryan Poles and Matt, what did Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus? There we go are on the chopping block here next year. And I just don't think they'll be able to do anything. I don't think they'll be able to do anything next year or this year. They're god-awful. The Bears are god-awful, losing to the Tampa Bay Bucks. I mean, I know that the Bucks they beat the Vikings, and that was a bit unexpected as well. But for the Bears to play essentially the exact same way that they played last year, this year is, like, a bit absurd. No, like, nothing has changed. They're the exact same crappy team that is incredibly directionless on offense. It's just like, gee, I wonder why. Maybe it's because you hired a defensive coordinator to be your head coach. But they're completely and utterly directionless on offense. And defensively, they're not very good because I don't think they have really top-tier talent at all. I think, you know what would have been interesting? It would have been interesting if they had used that first-round draft pick on a defensive player. But I, I don't know. I don't know. But they got Darnell Wright, who I like. But man, oh man, do they need a lot of help. The thing about the NFL and football at the collegiate level, because they do it sometimes, but really at the NFL level, the NFL is all about matchups. It's about putting your best player up against the opposition's weakest player. This past Sunday, and I'm rewatching the game right now because it's just, it's another victory for the Dallas Cowboys. I'm re-watching the Cowboys versus the Jets here. And CeeDee Lamb very rarely lines up against Ahmad Gardner. And, and CeeDee Lamb is a top wide receiver. And this is a matchup that you would love to see. You would love to see CeeDee going up against Ahmad. But Dallas played that game and played that scheme perfectly. Because their, their perception was, why would we put our best guy against their best guy. What, for TV ratings? For, you know, for money? for We're trying to win the game. We're going to put C.D. Lamb 
up against number 30, the slot, the slot receiver, who C.D. Lamb consistently and relentlessly beat for the entirety of the game. He had over 146 yards. I mean, they're just, they just showed me this, like, absolutely brutal, all-heart catch by C.D. Lamb where he goes up in, in, in the air, leaves his feet, Dak threw him a medicine ball. It was a great pass. It was a great catch. And... I mean, CD just takes a fucking shot and he gets up like it's nothing. I mean, CD is just this absolute Iron Man of a wide receiver. Can get brutalized and flex on people after getting brutalized. And so Dallas, and I remember because Ahmad Gardner got so much shit for uh, for the whole job on CD Lamb because they're making him look bad, right? Because his teammates are making him look bad. Because they're giving up all these yards against CeeDee Lamb. He's like, I'd never guarded CeeDee Lamb, et cetera, et cetera. But, and, and that's because Dallas was like, we're not going to put CeeDee Lamb up against Ahmad. We're going to put him up against the weakest corner to give us the best chance of having success. And to give him the best chance of having success. And that's exactly what they did. And it worked. I mean, I think he had over 100 yards in the first half. I mean, just like ridiculous stuff. You know what I mean? Over 100 yards. I was like, Jesus Christ. Insane game. Insane game by Dallas. And I bring all that up to say, in regards to um, in regards to some of these teams and some of these matchups, I, I just, I don't understand, I, I don't understand why certain teams, or specifically why the Bears, if I can kind of come back to the Bears a little bit, I don't understand why the Bears at times just, do not try to put some of their players in positions to win, why they don't go after some other uh, players, why they aren't just aggressive. I don't really know their plan. I don't really know their scheme. I don't know their concepts. I don't know their strategies. It just seems like to me that the Bears are kind of playing this whole, we don't really seem to care about, well, maybe not seem to care, but we don't really have an understanding of how football is played at this level. At least in my opinion. You have to have a pass rusher. You have to have a corner or corners. You have to be able to have uh, some wide receivers and some really, really awesome offensive line play. And they really haven't done anything in the last two to three years, even preceding Ryan Poles and Matt Nagy to help out Justin Fields. So we don't even have a fair evaluation. But I mean, Bryce Young has been mega competitive against competition that he really shouldn't be competitive against, at least in my opinion, against the Saints tonight. And who did he play up against? The Panthers. But, I mean, the Panthers, it was a lot less competitive, if I'm 100% honest with you. And, I mean, he's been semi-competitive. Oh, my God. I just saw who the Giants play against this Thursday. They play up against the Niners. Jesus Christ. What an absolute disaster for them. And... Oh, God, pray for me. We get the Steelers and the Raiders on Thursday night. Or not Thursday night, but Sunday night football. Why does the NFL do this? I complain about the bad matchups that the NFL has for some of these huge primetime games all the time. I'm like, why would you have... And by the way, ESPN, I thought they got rid of these doubleheaders. I hate the ESPN doubleheaders. I don't know why ESPN thinks that having two doubleheaders on ESPN and ABC is like a good thing. Please don't tell me they're doing it again in October. No, they're not. Thank God, man. It just, it's so dumb to do a doubleheader. It, it just completely 
pacifies your ratings. But they did it again, and they're going to do it for the next two weeks, including tonight. So that sucks. But anyways, um, going back to what I was talking about earlier with the Bears. Bears suck. Bears overrated, but you probably knew that already. Um, tip of the cap to the Bucks, though. I I would have had the Bears beating the Bucks, but because I thought the Bears were slightly improved. I thought the Bears were improved, and I thought the Bucks would kind of suck with Baker. And it looks like Baker's kind of found a little bit of a home in Tampa Bay, especially because he's 2-0. Chiefs versus Jags. I had the Chiefs winning it. I thought they would lose it. Or, no, I think I had the Jags winning it. Jags lost 9-17 to against the Chiefs. Jags really had a ho-hum day. Trevor Lawrence had a bad game, 22 of 41 with 216 yards, no touchdowns whatsoever, three for 12 on third down, but Kansas City wasn't very much better. The whole statistic that really kind of shines bright, I mean, goodness gracious, first and foremost, Kansas City had two fumbles lost and an interception, and they still won the game, but I mean, the sacks that Jacksonville gave up four to Kansas City's one is like a huge statistic as well. So Jacksonville, bit of a head scratcher there. They go from playing really well last week to really not at all offensively this week, especially after some of those turnovers. It's just like, I don't understand how you can't take advantage of it, but I guess it is what it is. Jags lost to the Chiefs 17-9. Packers versus Falcons, bit weird as well. Falcons kind of got away with one here. Packers kind of blew it, in my opinion, especially with the whole Atlanta. I mean, Atlanta freaking patrioted the Green Bay Packers. Atlanta usually doesn't have big comebacks. They usually blow huge leads against opponents. They didn't do that today or yesterday. They had a 13-point comeback in the fourth quarter. Green Bay completely fell asleep on them, and Atlanta was sure to wake them up. Jordan Love had another good game, 151 yards, three touchdowns. Desmond Ritter had a had a ho hum gate, had a ho hum day. Packers couldn't stop B. John Robinson though, 19 carries, 124. I mean, it's a very very interesting game here because the Packers, I feel like and felt like they could have easily won their division. And taking a huge lead up against an opponent that really has no business playing against them. And they lost. They lost 24 to 25. Huge shocker. Raiders at Bills. I mean, the Bills, I would have had winning this game if I was going to select this game. But the Raiders, they had fought them and played up against them really well at the start of the game. And then they just completely and utterly got shanked as the game kind of progressed 10 to 38 Raiders Raidered but I mean they had some good moments Bills had some great moments 38 to 10 final score oh man I don't really know what's going on with Josh McDaniels except we we should probably fire him as quickly as humanly possible because Jesus Christ is he not very good I'm mega annoyed with him you know what? I can't wait to see the new Loki TV show. Or technically the new Loki season. Oh God, I can't believe it's been almost two years since the last one came out. But yes, um, Bills, Raiders, 
Bills won it, Raiders lost it. Another huge shock in another game that got away from a team, which if I was some of these, uh, if I if I was a Chargers fan, I would be a little bit worried, but there isn't really a lot of Charger fans anyways. Chargers lost 0-2, or now they are down, excuse me, 0-2 to the Tennessee Titans. 24-7, to uh, 0-2, excuse me, on the record. They lost 27-24. Again, I'm tired. To the Tennessee Titans, Ryan Tannehill had a great day, 20 of 24 for 246 yards and a touchdown. Derrick Henry had kind of a bad day in 25 carries, 80 yards and a touchdown. Justin Herbert had a great day. But the reality is, is the Chargers have amazing, amazing players. Khalil Mack, Joey Bosa, et cetera, et cetera. They sacked Ryan Tannehill five times. They sacked him five times. Tennessee had seven penalties on them for 45 yards. And Tennessee still found a way to win the game. Chargers were two for 14 on third down. That's pathetic. That's pathetic. On third down. And, I mean, really, if the Chargers didn't score those 10 points in the fourth quarter, that game would have been completely and utterly lost in regulation. You know, it's because the Tennessee Titans are Tennessee and they kind of let the game get away from them. And so you have a team that really should be a top contender in the AFC, now down 0-2 in a conference that seems to have a lot of polarity. And it seems to me, you want to know what it seems to me? It seems to me that there's a lot of teams in the NFC, Dallas, the Niners, and also the Eagles, that are playing awesome, awesome, awesome football on the flip side of that, you also have teams in the AFC that are just unprepared, in my opinion, for the regular season. The Bengals, the Chiefs, and the Bills to some extent with their week one performance against the Jets. Specifically, Josh Allen was not ready to play. And so you have pivotal, pivotal games in the opening season or the opening weeks where certain contenders really can and should have taken over control over the conference, but for some weird reason they didn't because they lost all these football games. And now you have all this space for all these other teams to come in and take control and take over these games and or the divisions. And you have the Chargers kind of just flirting with death because they're behind the Chiefs and the Raiders. And I again, it's not like super far behind, but still, it's you're behind. Like, catch up. Brandon Staley's probably going to get fired this year. Can you imagine if the Chargers don't make it to the playoffs this year? Can you imagine that? Just insane, insane, insane stuff. When I saw that, I was... When I saw that the Chargers lost on Sunday to the Titans, I was shocked. Genuinely shocked. Because I was like, they're better than that. Much better. And they lost. 49ers at Rams, another doozy of a game. I don't want to sound like a broken record. But yeah, the chart, not the Chargers, excuse me, but the Rams, I mean, they were close to beating the 49ers without their number one wide receiver. I think there is something to the 49ers potentially having some type of a defensive weakness as well. I need to go back and watch that game. Here's the thing, right? 49ers scored 13 points in the second half. Rams only scored six. Literally, I mean, 
And they scored 10 of the 13 points in the fourth quarter. Literally, if the Rams if the Rams did anything in the fourth quarter, they probably would have won that game. And again, Matt Stafford, I mean, for what they're asking him to do, had another awesome game. I got to watch this Puka Nassau guy, Nakao, whatever his name is. And I mean, it was 2-2. It was both these guys. They both had all, like what? Like almost 300 yards. Like they had over 240 combined. And it's just like, they're missing obviously Cooper Cup, man. But Jesus Christ, man. It's just like the, like you look at the box score and you're like, who are these guys that have over 100 yards of receiving? It's ridiculous. Like Kyrian Williams. Kyron Williams is a running back. He's a running back. And he has, he has like six receptions for 48 yards. It's like, what is going on? Some of this stuff is just like mega shocking, mega shocking. At least it is for me. Anyways, 49ers, we'll see. Well, we won't see because they're going up against the Giants. Saquon isn't even playing because he's hurt again. Took two weeks. Saquon wanted a long-term contract extension. And by all means, by all accounts, he will not get it. They'll probably release him in the the offseason because, I mean, it's just he gets hurt all of the time. All the time. And so <sighs> Saquon's probably done and the Giants are also done as well. They're what? They're they're one and one. They really should be 0-2. They beat the Cardinals. Cardinals are now 0-2. Cardinals face off against the Cowboys, I think, in Arizona this upcoming weekend. And it's gonna be it's gonna be bad for the Cardinals. They're going to be they're going to be in a really, really bad spot for the Cardinals. Or the Cardinals are technically in a really bad spot. And the reason for that is, is that the Cardinals, for some weird reason, I mean, they owned owned the Giants. Giants are scoreless for the first half. Then the Giants go on to score all 31 of their points in the second half. I mean, perfectly written by the Cardinals. The Cardinals continued their tank. The Giants continue their kind of like overrated ho-hum hey guys we're gonna go out and try and compete and play and all that good stuff but we all know what's going to happen at the end of the season at the end of the season the cardinals will be once again or not the cardinals but the giants will be once again considered an overrated team by everybody that's smart and the giants will then proceed to lose uh games in which or they'll proceed to lose in the playoffs because they really are not that good of a football team. So it just feels like we're rewriting the exact same story for the Giants here in the next couple of uh, months. Overrated, and you can see it from a mile away. Jets at Cowboys, though. Cowboys absolutely smashed the Jets. Out of all the teams that have really put up really complete performances. I think the Cowboys have had some of the best performances really of the last couple of, uh, really to start the season, of course. I mean, 
40 to 0 against the Giants, 30 to 10 against the Jets. And it is very weird the dialogue that's been going on about the Cowboys. The dialogue has essentially been the Cowboys are overrated. The reason why they're overrated is because the offense hasn't played very well. And it's like the the team has beaten two of their opponents by 60 points. They scored 40 points to zero in the first game. They scored 30 to 10 in the second. So, hey, the margins are getting a little bit smaller. Maybe Dallas will only win by 15 points against the Cardinals. Probably not because the Cardinals are terrible. But here are the next two weeks for the Cowboys. Cardinals, Patriots for the next two weeks, and then October 8th, the big boy test, 49ers. So you mean to tell me that for the next two weeks, Dallas gets cupcakes, and then they get the 49ers, which I think they can be beaten, and then they get the Chargers. Like some of their some of their schedule, and it's always interesting, these games and how these games kind of like line up, right? The Cowboys, about a week and a half ago, if you looked at their schedule, you would have been like, wow. And I remember what, looking at their schedule and being like, wow, their schedule looks hard in October. They get the 49ers and the Chargers and the Rams and the Eagles in November. November 5th is when they play up against the Eagles for the first time. And you're like, wow, that looks really, really difficult. And then you look at the 49ers game against the Rams and you're like, mm, that didn't look very good. The Chargers are winless. And the Rams, I think, are a tad bit overrated as well. I don't know how they're doing it with some of their guys, but I'll look at some of their games tonight. But to me, it's ridiculous. Some of these teams that the Cowboys are going up against, it's like, wow, Dallas may get out of October with probably like three wins with maybe their only loss against the uh, against the 49ers, and Dallas will probably be like the one seed or the two seed, excuse me, in, in the conference. And then once they get out of October, they can easily take the two spot by beating the Eagles. And God help you if they went up against the 49ers, because that will be the one slot, the one slot, excuse me, for them. Cowboys are in great spot, are in a great spot. They're in great position. Dak had an awesome game. 31 of 38 for 255 and two touchdowns. I mean, I'll say it. Like, Micah Parsons is probably going to, I mean, Micah Parsons at the very least should be in that conversation for MVP, but so should Dak Prescott. He's played phenomenal this year. And, I mean, he was killing the Giants, killing them all game on Sunday. And I was looking at the game, and it was just like Dallas, Dallas starts wherever they start. Dallas then drives down the football field for 40 yards, 50 yards, 60 yards, et cetera, et cetera. And then Dallas scores, Dallas scores, Dallas scores, Dallas scores. And I look up and I see that CeeDee Lamb has over 100 yards. I see that Dallas has 18 points. And I was just like, damn, this game has gotten really out of hand, really, really fucking fast. And to me, it was just, it was absolutely ridiculous how fast some of this stuff got out of hand. So I'm really excited to see what's going on. Or what's going to happen with Dallas. Because I think this could be their year. And I think that Jets win kind of solidified it for me. Because it, the, the Cowboys were never in any trouble. The Cowboys have played probably their best football I've seen to start out a season in a long time. Like very, very few mistakes. Zero turnovers. I mean, Dallas looks like the best team in the NFL right now. And it's not even close. To make matters worse... 
they were right about Kellen Moore, man. Like, the Charger fans are starting to revolt against Kellen Moore, and it looks like Mike McCarthy, and I had kind of wondered, and I asked that question initially, I was like, why did Mike McCarthy move off of Kellen Moore? And it's like, now we know, because Kellen Moore wasn't very good. So, I mean, we'll see what happens here long term with the Cowboys, but yeah, Cowboys, Cowboys are legit. Commanders at Broncos. I, I don't really know what to make of the Broncos. The Commanders are a bit of a wash. They're not very good. The Commanders were down huge, 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 huge. They were down 21 to 14. And the Broncos absolutely choked the rest of the game away. 33 to 35. Broncos, I don't know what to do. I don't really care. They're not my team. And I thought that they could have been a good team this year, but... Whether it's Russ, whether it's Sean Payton, whatever the case may be, they're not very good. And it's it's very, very like eye-opening how bad they are. It's like, wow, this was supposed to be the team that kind of takes over, that challenges Kansas City, and we've been kind of saying that for the last couple of years. And yeah, they've they they have not. Uh the commanders have not or not the commanders, the Broncos have not actually challenged the uh, the commanders here by the way a couple like a week ago or something like that my weather team had given me the forecast for um like the local forecast for some weird reason they also gave me the christmas forecast why did they give me the christmas forecast i don't know why but they gave it to me and i was very confused because it's september and i was like why are you giving me the christmas hold on why are you giving me the Christmas forecast and telling me that it's going to be 38 degrees when it's like 90? Stop it. Stop being foolish. Anyways, don't really know what to make of the Broncos, except they're not very good. Commanders are 2-0, and but they're overrated. Dolphins at Patriots. Really good game. Dolphins almost choked it away. I am a bit shocked at kind of the pendulum swinging polarity that happened in this game. Patriots could have won this game very similarly to how they could have won last week's game as well. Kind of a weird game. 24 to 17 is the final score. I expected more from the Patriots offense or not the Patriots offense, but from the Dolphins offense. But I mean, when Raheem Morstert gets you like 121 yards and two touchdowns i guess you got to roll with him but kind of a like a weird game i guess but i i mean it kind of makes sense but when you have a when you play kind of like keep away from one team you kind of run the risk of you know you kind of getting um you kind of getting exposed if if that other team commits or not commits a turnover but gets turnovers right and that's kind of what happened against the Dolphins the Patriots started to get some turnovers and I I remember at the end of the game I was like what is going on with the Patriots or excuse me the Dolphins here they're just choking this game away I thought that it was absurd as I mean I'm watching Russell Wilson I'm watching again the Cowboys versus the uh the Cowboys versus the Jets again because I recorded that game Russell Wilson started off the game really well but then they just kind of did some dumbass shit. And then they lost. 
But anyways, Saints. I'm tired and I want to. I, I, you want to know what I have? Homework tonight. College algebra. That should be fun. Saints versus Panthers. Panthers lost it in a close game, 20-17. to 17. Close. Derek Carr wasn't very good. Man, Bryce needs some help. He needs some help. Nobody was helping him tonight. How many sacks did they give up tonight? Four. That makes sense. Carolina's offensive line is terrible. And they got to fix it. They got to figure it out. Because it's not going away. This issue of a terrible offensive line is just going to be relentless or is going to be consistent and it's going to pop up over and over and over again until they decide to fix it. But do they have the money? Do they have the salary cap? Do they have the intelligence? I don't know. To fix it? I don't know. We'll see what happens. Finally, Steelers versus Browns, 26 to 22 Steelers. Bit of a bad game, in my opinion. Or not, maybe not a bad game. Let's have our come to Jesus moment about Deshaun Watson. I don't know what's going on with Deshaun. Deshaun's terrible. I mean, he goes from being essentially the archetype of this generation in regards to the player profile. Like, whenever we think of new generation quarterbacks, we think of them being big-armed, athletic, and... Um, and accurate, and that's what Deshaun Watson was before these last couple of years. And now it's like Deshaun isn't accurate. He makes poor decisions. And it's just weird to watch him play football because I'm like, um, with like he just keeps on making very dumb mistakes and he's just not accurate. He was 22 of 40 for tonight. One touchdown, one interception, and 235 yards. I mean, Kenny Pickett wasn't really any better. 15 of 30, 222, one touchdown, one interception. Their stat lines are pretty much identical. But Deshaun had fumbles, had interceptions, had bad reads, had missed reads. I mean, it's just... And by the way, Cleveland had almost 200 rushing yards to the Steelers' 55. I mean, Cleveland should have ran away with this game handily. And it seemed like it was because Pittsburgh offense was stuttering and sputtering around. And then Deshaun loses a fumble. I mean, they lost three fumbles, and then he threw in another interception, and then they had eight penalties as well. And then they, like, it's so weird to watch this stat line, right? Where it's like, you look at the time of possession for Cleveland. They have 10 minutes almost of additional possession versus the Steelers, right? Their third down efficiency is 30%, which it's like, it's fine. It's okay. It's not great. For some weird reason, they went for it twice on fourth down. And then, I mean, they had almost 30 additional plays versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. But they gave up six sacks. They had eight penalties, giving up 80 yards. They had three fumbles lost in a pick. And it's just like, this is how you lose football games. And one of those fumbles, one of those three fumbles went for a TJ Watt touchdown after Alex Highsmith knocked it out of Deshaun Watson's hands. It's like literally Deshaun, it was like uh, the Buffalo Bills game a week ago against the Jets. It's like, oh, Josh Allen lost the Jets or lost that game, excuse me, to the Bills. Or not to the Bills, but for the Bills. That's how they lost. Shocked. I am shocked at, uh, at how bad Deshaun Watson plays or has been playing.
considering how great he was and how kind of like high the expectations were on him and kind of just like now, I mean, how God awful he looks. And then to make matters worse, to make matters worse, you have the like Nick Chubb going out potentially for the season. So. Oh my God. And they're showing, oh Jesus Christ. And they're showing the Minka Fitzpatrick, Nick Chubb play. Where they both got hurt on the play. Yeah, I didn't see that because I got to the game early on. All right, I can't watch that. I Like, everybody's reposting the exact same video. But, yeah, they're both out. And so, it's annoying. But we will see what happens here. Oh, gosh. I'm, I'm exhausted. I got some homework to do. I'll see you tomorrow where we'll kind of wrap some of this stuff up. We'll talk about Formula One because I haven't talked about Formula One, but we'll talk about it tomorrow, ladies and gentlemen, right here on 24's podcast.